This could be for you. Exclamation point. Welcome everyone to an exceedingly enthusiastic episode of Steve Made a Game Show. I'm your host, Steve, the Steve that puts the Steve in Steve Made a Game Show. And today we're joined by someone who has enthusiasm unknown to Steve Kind. His name is Jeff. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Steve, thanks. First time, long time. Jeff, you're you're also on a game show right now. I don't know what you look for in a game show. Is it something that's competitive? Is it something that's trivia-based? Maybe fabulous prizes? What is it that draws you into a game show? Particularly personalized questions that are tailored to my own interests. You have come to the right podcast because that's where you're at today. You've got a a lot of questions that are tailored to you, and it's going to be in a three-round format. So round one is going to be the category round. I've got three categories, three questions each. They're valued at 50, 150, and 250 points, and they're going to be curated specifically to your interests. We're then going to jump into the persuasion round. I've got a topic for you that I think you're very knowledgeable about very passionate about, and you can inform us on how we should view the truth. And uh, depending on how convincing you are, I'm going to give you a certain number of points. That'll get tallied up, and then we'll jump into lightning round. You'll have 45 seconds to give me as many answers to a certain question or prompt. Those will be worth 10 points each. And then all those will add up to a certain score, and we'll throw you up on the leaderboard and stack you up against your fellow SMAG competitors. Okay, so what's the leaderboard at right now? We'll get to that soon, but let's get started in the category round. On the category round, your categories are early PFT commenter, the 2019 Jeopardy calendar, and the bench warmers. Where would you like to begin today? I'm going to start with bench warmers. Bench warmers for how much? Uh, sorry, what were the options again? 150, 50, or 250? Uh, I'll start with 50. Start slow. While in the sporting goods store, Richie tries on an enormous oversized baseball glove that he calls Megamit. Clark also tries on a mitt in that scene. What does he compare himself to based on the black color of that baseball mitt? Oh, uh, man. Okay, let me brainstorm here for a second. I, ha- I think I have almost the complete sentence. He says, I look like a Borak warrior from the Captain Mighty series. That's correct. Points. That is exactly what he says. I don't know if I'm happy or disappointed that I got that one right. We never actually saw what the Captain Mighty series is. It's entirely fictional. I would love to see it. There's another fictional series that's referenced in the Benchwarmers. This is not a real question, but I'm going to be going off book when it comes to the Benchwarmers because this is, a, this is a very big topic. Can you name the other TV show that Marcus Elwood references at the end of the movie? It, <laughs> he's like, don't you remember episode blink of, I want to say it was like Dungeon Wars or something. That, that could be totally off. The Golden Elves, for, the, 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 the Golden Elves forgive the Green Giants or something like that. Episode 34 of Dungeon Wars, in which the Golden Elves forgave the Great Giants. Oh, okay. I was so close. You were so close that you're getting another 25 smag coins right there. Ooh, extra credit. Nice. Mm-hmm. You impressed the teacher. Do you want to jump on to 150 in the Benchwarmers? That sounds good, yeah. Okay. The driving storyline in the movie concerns the tournament that's entitled Mel's Tournament of Little Baseballers and Three Older Guys. We all know who those three older guys are. By name, can you name at least four of the little baseballers that are seen in the movie? So these are the other teams. Not necessarily the team's names, but kids that are, are, are named. They actually have a name in the oh, movie. Oh, like other... Okay, okay. 
And so they might play during the main tournament. Maybe it's towards the end is when we actually get to see them on the baseball field. But I see. I appreciate your your uh, little hints. I can't remember John Lovett's son's name. Uh, and then there are like those two kids that are like commentators. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think I'll get any of their names. I, I'm drawing a blank here. So we'll walk through them together. So I think the the son you were trying to remember was Nelson. <laughs> Nelson, yeah. And then you have the scorekeeper and statistician on the team, Sammy Sprinkler. <laughs> How did I not get that? The two announcers that you're thinking of are Gretchen and Mitchell. Okay. And then the bully sort of kids are Troy and Kyle Wilson. And then also Salad Girl has a named younger brother, Jarrett. <laughs> Jarrett. Fortunately, I cannot award you any extra credit. Yeah, I, I dropped the ball on that one. You can recover here for 250. Do you want to finish it off at Benchwarmers? Yep, I'm, I'm in. I'm going to get it. While showing off his mansion, Nelson's dad, Mel, offers the Benchwarmers some sandwiches by way of number seven. Name for me at least two of those sandwiches ordered in that scene. One guy orders something super weird, uh, David Spade. I think, I think one of them just gets like a ham sandwich. Um, so that's going to be one of my guesses. You wanted to know two? Yeah, if you can name one more. Okay. Um, There's actually three. So if you really can remember all of them, by all means, go for it. I'm going to guess ham sandwich and roast beef, but I don't, I don't feel good about the guesses. They might just be total guesses. You're right. There is sort of a general sandwich, but you picked the wrong lunch meat. Turkey on white was ordered by Richie. Okay. Mel ordered a peanut butter and jelly with mayonnaise. And that's how we pronounce it, mayonnaise. And then Clark ordered tuna fish and Skittles and putting skins on wheat with a crust cut off. That sounds right. Yeah, it was quite a delicious entree they had there. They made number seven, like, kind of start to, like, malfunction and smoke a little bit. Yeah, um, that was maybe where he got uh, kind of a, an animosity towards Clark. Later in the movie, he squirts water right in his face while cleaning off the smudge on Nelson's face. Retribution for ordering a weird sandwich. Plot development. It's a it's a rich movie, a lot of plots intersecting. Um, it's like a it's like a ballet of ideas and comedy. Yeah, it takes a long time to digest too. Audience, go watch the Benchwarmers. You'll digest it still 15 years later and still find new things. Based on these questions, I think people are going to be just running the, all the Smags listeners. Do you have a nick like uh, Smagglers or something? Smagglers, I like that. You guys or, are Smagglers. Uh, Smagpies, maybe. Smagpies is a little less uh, cool sounding, like magpies, the kind of ugly birds out there, similar to a grackle. All right, we'll go with smagglers. Okay, for the smagglers, Jeff, what category do you want to go to next? I'm going to go uh, 2019 calendar. For background for you smagglers and smagpies out there, I had received a Jeopardy calendar as a gift from Jeff's girlfriend, Alyssa. My name's Alyssa, and I got smagged. So while every day when I would answer the questions, I would also log each question and answer into a spreadsheet um, just so I could go back and keep track of my scores. I also shared it with Alyssa and with Jeff, and then we could track each other and kind of compete who had the best scores. So Jeff... It was a very well-made, like professional-level spreadsheet. Highly functional, anyway. You heard it here, folks. I didn't say it. <laughs> so while we all shared and competed, you know, we went through 365 days, answers, questions, and remember, in Jeopardy, it's answers are given, and then you provide the questions. Thank you for uh, correcting yourself there. An important distinction. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And it's all logged. And so what I've done is I've scrambled up all the questions. And Jeff, this is going to be sort of a Wheel of Fortune category. So you're going to spin the wheel. You're going to give me a random number. And then I'm going to find the corresponding 
question to that number. So it could be a question that you accurately guessed in 2019. Oh man, I hope I can get it right again. <laughs> and you get it right again. Or it could be one that you missed. But I remember. But you will remember seeing the right answer because you viewed the right answer of any possible question I can give you today. Right. I like it. Okay. So I, I you want a number like between one and 10? Or... So what we'll do is for 50, I want a number between one and 99. And then we'll just kind of keep shuffling up from 150 to 250. We'll start at 50. Give me a random number between 1 and 99. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, 25. Going with 25. Do I get to know the category? Yeah, I'll give you the category, and then I'm going to give you the clue as well. And then you, you need to phrase it in the form of a Jeopardy answer. All right, thanks for the reminder. Very critical. So your category is 20th Century America. Section 1 of the 18th Amendment, the only one ever repealed, ends, quote, is hereby, end quote, this verb. Only amendment repealed? Is that what you said? Yes. Read it one more time. So 20th Century America, Section 1 of the 18th Amendment, the only one ever repealed, ends, is hereby this verb. Oh, okay. This must be prohibition. Um, I'm going to guess that it's hereby... Okay. What is illegal? Final answer. I am sorry. You were on the right track. Is what is prohibited? (laughs) Duh. (laughs) Uh, okay, okay. You're familiar with the format. You felt confident with the, the one you got. So spin the wheel one more time for 150. It's 100 to 99. I need a random number. All right, I'll go with uh, 170. So does this just correspond to like the cell, the row? In my random scramble. Oh, you're random. Okay. Yeah, I didn't want you to somehow backtrack your way from the calendar and manipulate <laughs> if you happen to have it open on your screen right now. Never. I'm, I'm feet away from my computer right now. Any cheating is hereby prohibited. <laughs> Good. Your category is 13th century highlights. And for reference, you did not get this right. 1276 is known as, quote, the year of the four, and quote, these. And only one of them was innocent. 1276. Was known as the year of the four blank. I'm going to go with, this is a total guess, um, the year, what is martyrs? Interesting guess. What is the year of the popes? In the pun being, only one of them was innocent because the, like Pope Innocent was his name. <laughs> okay. Some delicious wordplay there. <laughs> All right, I'm, I gotta dig deep here. I gotta. I'm on a cold streak. I need a random number. Uh, two thirty-three. Two thirty-three for two hundred and fifty points. Yep. You did not get this right. Just for reference. <laughs> I got one score point. The category is Dog Stars. Ooh, okay. A St. Bernard joining Charles Grodin's litter. We're looking for a name. Category is Dog Stars. And so it's, I think, supposed to be a a dog scene in in, in show business. And it's a St. Bernard joining Charles Grodin's litter. Did you get it right? I did. So did Alyssa. Sure she did. My name's Alyssa, and I got smagged. I'm just going to throw out a guess. I don't know what kind of dog this is. I'm going to go, what is Lassie? No, she's a sh- uh, Okay. Go with, I don't know. Go with, what is Lassie? <laughs> what is Beethoven is who we were looking for. Oh, uh, I remember this question. I remember thinking, how did I not get that? Okay. Beethoven, that big St. Bernard on VHS rental tapes. <laughs> yeah. Never actually watched them, but I remember the tape on the shelf. I feel like I've seen the movie. Didn't try. Okay. That was, that was 0 for, 0 for 3. That's okay, because I think I saved my strongest category for last for the first round. 
That's just good strategy. That's just gritty performance here as we enter the early PFT commenter category. And for those that are unaware, PFT commenter is a Twitter account. It's been around for years at this point. And Jeff was sort of a trendsetter, hipster almost. He found out about PFT commenter long before fame and fortune struck the account. So Jeff, show off your early chops. Where do you want to go for the first question? All right, I'll start with, uh, with uh, give me the 250. You are a fullback. You're on the one yard line. Let's see how low your pad level is. <laughs> the highest rating on the Flacco meter is elite, and the lowest rating is bum. Yeah. Can you name three out of the four remaining ratings on the Flacco meter? There's, there's four others. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you've got four choices in between. So on the one end is elite, on the other end is bum. Okay, I think one of them is he's a disgrace. One. Um, so we got he's a disgrace. One of them, I think, is Flacco, but I'm not positive. I'm going to guess Flacco, but I think that might not be right. So I'm going to go with he's a disgrace, Flacco, and uh, that's all I can draw. Anything else would just be a total guess. We'll, I'll, I'll, I'll submit two answers. Um, you do have he's a disgrace. The other choices were not elite, semi-elite, and then is Joe Flacco elite question? Oh, that's mark. what I was thinking. Dang, I, could, okay. I could hear you getting that one. Yeah. Okay. I can't award you the, the full 250, but I'm going to award you 100 smag coins for that one. Okay. It, what's a smag coin? Has anyone made the joke yet? What's the ratio of smag coins to, to dollars? The, uh, the conversion rate is yet to be determined, but I wouldn't hold your breath on receiving any real dollars. But maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> In the meantime, Sounds though, good. Jeff, 50 or 150, where do you want to go? All right, I'll play it safe. I'll go 50. Riley Cooper was known for tweeting at Uber a recurring message that repeated the same exact phrase verbatim. PFT would then retweet that phrase. So what was the phrase that he would tweet? Something about a ride. Um, I think it's, I think I'm going to go, I think it's just thanks for the ride, Uber. Thanks for the ride. That's what we're going for. 50 points. <laughs> Is it like thanks for the ride at Uber? Exactly. Or at Uber, thanks for the ride. He'd <laughs> shuffle the order, but you'd always get that thanks for the ride. I imagine delivered in a very flat voice. Do you think he got anything more than free rides for that endorsement? Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't even know if it was an endorsement. I think he just genuinely was thankful for the service he received. And it wasn't that he was using his platform for them to get publicity. <laughs> he was just thanking them and he thought that's the only way to contact them. We'll go with that. That explanation, that seems likely. Ready to round this one out at 150? I'm ready. Let's do it. So this is a bit of a inside baseball question here. So PFT commenter, we've learned a little more about his identity and his past. And as more details of his life have been revealed, we've learned that he actually attended James Madison University in his college days. So can you name for me, what is the name of JMU's athletic team? What's their mascot? Um, I'm going to go with something like something uh, alliterative. I would say maybe it's the James Madison Marauders. That's what I'm thinking of. I, I, that's my guess. We were looking for Dukes. James Madison Dukes. Yeah, there's some interesting connotations with that, but... <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> In the meantime, how about this? A little extra credit just because you've, uh, you've been good at extra credit so far. Do you know what their colors are? I think they're red, white, and blue. Or at least red and blue. That's what I'll go with. Purple and yellow. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking of American University. Oh, no. I think it's time here to wrap up the, the category round. We've got 225 points in your corner. We're moving on to round two. We're going to take a brief break for these words. 
The following skit is for comedic purposes only and does not reflect a sponsorship of the discussed product. The views and opinions expressed by this podcast are not endorsed by the following company. This is not a paid advertisement. You're hungry, and it's 12.42 a.m. Everywhere is closed. Everywhere that's not a drive through is closed, I should say. However, if you're craving pizza delivery, don't turn to Pizza Hut. Don't turn to Domino's. Turn to Gumby's Pizza. Yes, that, that Gumby that you're thinking of, that is Gumby's Pizza. He's not just a character that's seen in a McDonald's play place television. Not even just a, a costume that college students will wear to college sports games and try and get on TV wearing. No, Gumby's Pizza is home of the, the most overpriced yet tasty pizza you will find on the market. They've got pokey sticks, which is just hot, greasy, cheesy bread that hits the spot, especially at that 12.42 a.m. window. It's really tough to find a Gumby's Pizza location that's still open. In fact, you're probably going to have to go back to 2013. But if you can find one, I highly recommend checking out that delicious, that nutritious, that rubbery green man himself, Gumby, Gumby's Pizza. Okay, and we're back and we're starting up the persuasion round. Jeff, today your prompt is this. I want you to describe for us the plight of the modern Michigan fan. So the Michigan Wolverines have had a lot of success historically, but especially in the modern era, there's been shortcomings that in some cases could be pointed maybe to officiating or blown calls, missed calls, some outside factors. There's also some inside factors, you know, coaching decisions, play calls, player development that's also hindered Michigan Wolverine success, be it bad calls, be it bad personnel decisions. A variety of things are coming to mind. Go for it. The floor is yours. So when you say modern Michigan, you want, like, in our lifetime. I think that's a good way to limit it, yeah. All right, so I don't know if I really remember this happening. And, I, and I'd like to say that as, as a, a classic Michigan fan, I prefer to talk about history deeper into the past, 11 national titles, 1,000 wins. I don't know if those are actually accurate numbers. Is this like when they tell you, when you take the ACT, like, when you're writing an argument in the essay, you can just kind of make up stats as long as they're not like too egregious. I embrace that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a 11 national titles, all-time winning percentage. Okay, the first thing in my lifetime that was just insanely, you could call it bad luck, maybe you could call it home cooking. Steve, does the name Spartan Bob ring any bells with you? I, I do recall the name Spartan Bob. And like I remember that it happened. It might be one of those memories that's like fabricated because I've just read a lot about it and watched the video. You know, it benefited a guy who everyone loves and you can really root for it, Nick Saban, who a lot of people forget was a head coach at Michigan State. Um, do you want me to explain? Why not, this is like a, a conversation, right? Back and forth. Yes. How, how about you tell me uh, in, your, in your best estimation uh, what happened? I think it's two, 2000 or 99. It was 2001. And so okay, okay, you did not have coach Nick Saban at that time. So if you're attempting to pin this on Nick Saban, <laughs> that wasn't a Nick Saban. going the wrong direction. What I can remember as someone who did watch the game live, and I wasn't even an MSU fan at the time. Uh, it was it was very tight at the end. You know, did did he spike the ball with enough time left? And the timekeeper, it was the duly hired person as he's doing his job, stopped the clock when he stopped the clock with one second on the clock, and and it allowed the Spartans to have one more opportunity to run a play. And sure enough, a touchdown pass to TJ Duckett and Michigan State fairly won the game. Who's the quarterback? Smoker? Jeff Smoker. Okay, so 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 Michigan State's scrambling to to put together a last minute drive. They get down to like inside of the red zone. I'm not sure, but they're they're pretty close. Maybe they're on like the five, ten yard line. So they have to they have to spike the ball and they scramble and the, the play starts with one second on the clock. And somehow that play lasted less than one second because when he hikes the ball no time comes off the clock the the scorekeeper at spartan stadium stopped the clock with one second left 
But if you watch, if you if you are an astute observer and you watch when he hikes the ball, there is one second left. The whole exchange between the, the center and the quarterback, he has to spike the ball into the ground. No time comes off the clock <laughs> between those two things. There were no hundredths, no tenths of seconds on the clock. So it could have, the rounding, you know, it just never, it didn't process all the way through. It didn't process. I, I can see that argument, but... Uh, anyway, so when, when you talk about flights of Michigan, look, I feel as though a play needs to take at least one second. That is the only argument I'm making with the Spartan Bob thing. Not an unreasonable position. I'll allow it here on today. <laughs> so that is why my first memory of Michigan getting, well, let's just call it bad luck. Because this is before, I think if that happened currently, we could probably do some replay and ask if the, the proper amount of time was taken off the clock. Did, did the guy get fired, Spartan Bob? I think he got fired. So Spartan Bob was the Spartan Stadium timekeeper, and that was in an era when stadiums supplied their own timekeepers. And then directly as a result of this, I think the next year, in fact, it became a Big Ten conference-appointed timekeeper for every game. Interesting. Spartan Bob, you know, I, I understand the argument that at that time in Michigan football, it was probably tough to, for Michigan fans to argue that, that there was a play. Michigan had won the championship a few years before. Uh, those were what I would say the, the good years of Michigan football, which has steadily declined since since that time. This is Michigan. The next um, specific instance that can describe where really the plight of Michigan football began, the Spartan Bob thing's more of like a blip, uh, but where the avalanche just started rolling downhill on, on Michigan is, of course, 2006, Michigan versus Ohio State, number one versus number two. I think Ohio State was number one, Michigan was number two, or both undefeated. Last game of the year. Bo Schembechler dies the day before. That is exactly the last. Bo Schembechler, legendary Michigan coach, died, what, three days before the game? A week before the game? Or was it during the week? I, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, less than a week for sure. So not only did like the most famous person in Michigan football history die, that game, it's not, it was much, Michigan lost that game. Ohio State had Troy Smith, he's Heisman Trophy winner. They had Beanie Wells. I don't know if you remember this, Steve, but Ohio State has the ball. I believe it's third down, less than five minutes left on the clock. They get a stop. Sean Crable, way late hit out of bounds. Like, the guy's feet, like, multiple steps out of bounds. Gives Ohio State a free first down. Um, that is, as a fan, you feel bad. As a, as a, you know, someone else watching Michigan, you say Michigan beat them. You know, we might have lost the game anyway, but. I remember when that happened, and I remember just being like, I didn't know this could happen. I didn't know I could feel this way after a football game. I think I was, that was 2006, so I was like 14. Um, and that is when I think Michigan football took a turn into, um, from, from a, a perennial, more national program to what they became in the next few years to what they are now, which is you know, not anywhere near that. Do you have any disagreement <laughs> number one versus number two? No, I, I vividly remember the Sean Crable hit as well. His name echoes through the annals of history and is etched into my memory. And Michigan fans love Sean Crable. He was awesome. He was a terrible penalty. <laughs> like, how does that happen? Yep, yep, that's, that's where it all begins. It just seems like it's marked by a boneheaded thing. And it, not saying we would have won that game, but at least it, you know, there was a chance that we had the ball at the end. This is Michigan. So the, yeah, the next thing right after that is, I guess, really after the bowl game, I think the bowl game was USC and we just got killed. John David Booty was the quarterback, <laughs> just didn't show up for the bowl game. Uh, but we, we returned all these seniors that were on that 11-0 team, Chad Henney, 
Mike Hart, I think Manny Ham was still on that team. And what do we do? Very next game at Michigan Stadium, lose to Appalachian State, the biggest upset in like sports history, apparently at that time. Appalachian State was a pretty good team. Like they were a good FCS team or Division II team or something like that. Uh, obviously, Michigan should have won. They lost on like a punt block, which is just like, in terms of ways to lose, just so heartbreaking. I remember watching that game and just thinking like, again, I didn't know this could happen. <laughs> like, I, did, I just didn't know that you could have that level of, of letdown. A crazy bit of trivia about that game. So I didn't watch that game because it was on the Big Ten Network. First ever Big Ten Network game. First ever BTN game. We didn't have it, so I had to listen on the radio, but I heard it on the radio. Maybe no one watched it, honestly. <laughs> like, who had Big Ten Network at that time? Maybe I have a false memory. I remember, what, like, I, maybe, I'm pretty sure I watched it. But, um, yeah, now we're at, like, the end of the Lloyd Carr era. We, we turned it into a decent season. Obviously, we lost to Ohio State that year. And, oh, and then after that, I think we played Oregon, who was very good. They had, uh, I think they had Dennis Dixon. And they, they think they beat us pretty good at the big house. Wasn't there a loss to Toledo in there, too? The loss, <laughs> that was a different year. The, okay. the loss to the Toledo was, was Rich Rod. I think that was Rich Rod's first season, which was... <laughs> I don't want to get ahead of the story here. I'll edit, we can edit the, this the, out. No, no, the Toledo loss is in there. Uh, so then we, we end up hiring Rich Rod, which... I guess seemed like a good hire, but the program, and another example, I, this is going to be a really long This is Michigan. Hired Richrod. It was a disaster. He lost to Toledo. He lost to Michigan State every year. He lost to Ohio State every year. Beat Notre Dame. LOL. Like, how does Brian Kelly still have a job, honestly? He lost to Richrod. Richrod brought us some, some good times, but by and large, a huge disappointment. Another thing I'm going to throw in there is some Michigan basketball. Michigan finally gets a decent basketball team. Program's building from, I think we hired Beeline in like 2008, 2009. By 2011, 2012, they're making the tournament. By 2013, the year where we made the Final Four in the, in the NCAA Finals, first of all, Michigan was dominating the first half of that Finals game. And you could argue it was on a fluke. Spike Albrecht, I think, hit like five threes in the first half. But Michigan won this huge run. And by the way, I'm just going to mention this. That championship officially never happened. Uh, it's been expunged from the NCAA's records. Yeah, I don't know anything that you're referring to right now. <laughs> you can't look any of this up. <laughs> it's all vacant, but I'm just going to take your word for it. Um, I'm just going to take your word for the fact that Albrecht had to come in. Wasn't it because Trey Burke got in foul Trey trouble? Burke, yes. Yep. Trey Burke got in early foul trouble. Surprise. Uh, I think one of them was a ticky-tack foul. I, can't, I remember there was one ticky-tack foul. We'll say that. Spike Albrecht comes in. And we're like, you know, we're screwed. And freshman Spike Albrecht hits a bunch of threes. Michigan goes in with the lead. I think Luke Hancock for um, Louisville, you know, he probably had a, a... The Kevin Ware motivation motivated all of them. To he was the Kevin Ware. Yeah, Kevin Ware is like the OG uh, disgusting injury that everyone saw and like shared on social media. <laughs> oh yeah, Luke Hancock was Kevin Ware's backup. And Luke Hancock comes in fortuitously and neutralizes all of Spike's threes, and he goes off in the second part of the first half. Anyway, Michigan's in it at the end. Peyton Siva gets the ball on a fast break. Trey Burke, who, the, both of these guys are tiny, by the way. Peyton Siva and Trey Burke, like probably six feet tops, goes for a layup. Trey Burke, from like the side, it's the cleanest block. If you watch the picture, coolest block, too, because they're both so high off the ground and they're both such small people. Kind of meeting the ball at the rim, palming the ball. Smag, smaggers, go look up this picture of the Trey Burke, Peyton Siva block. It's just incredible athleticism, the fact that he could balance himself in such a way to put his hand on the ball, 
but was he putting his hand on anywhere else, any other parts of the opponent's body, perhaps? Uh, don't look it up, actually, but just take my word for it. That is very crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he got called, and they said it was a body fall. I think they're in that, like, the sort of, like, two-minute you know, NCAA statement. Anyway, that led to free throws. That led to basically, you know, what they would call a four-point swing, where we and, and that was the turning point in that game where Michigan ended up losing. You know, that's just bad. I think that was a bad luck. I think that call could have gone either way. This is Michigan. Unlike 2016, Michigan versus OSU, I was going to bring up the punt block, Michigan State, but that's cut for time. Uh, unless you would like to talk about it. We, uh, I mean, the play really speaks for itself. It was a prime example of you play out until the clock says zero, zero, zero. Little known fact, right before that game, in the parking lot of Michigan Stadium, D'Antonio told all his players to sit. They heard all the ruckus crowd outside. No, he said, sit for 10 seconds and reflect on the job you have in front of you. And so they sat there for 10 perfect seconds and visualized the win. And then when the clock had 10 seconds left in the fourth quarter, well, folks, you know what happened there. I'll let you go watch the video. But speaking of video, in the Ohio State game of 2016, there's been a lot of video analysis. Tell us about it. All right. So basically what happened for all of the smag pies, Ohio State had the ball in overtime. Michigan had hit a field goal, I think, and it was Ohio State's possession. So a touchdown went to for Ohio State and a field goal ties it. Their field goal kicker had missed like at least two pretty easy kicks in that game. Uh, so they started at 25. I can remember it was third down and Michigan just absolutely blew up this run play designed or like stretch play for Curtis Samuel. Samuel was about to lose like 10 yards. Somehow he reverses the field and outruns everybody to half yard from the first down. So Ohio State can kick a field goal there to tie it, or, and they didn't because their field goal kicker had the yips. So Ohio State calls a QB sneak. JT Barrett, he gets met at the line. He like kind of covers the ball, turns his body like so his back is to the Michigan defense. He's powering forward. He goes down, and they call the first down on the field. There's really no good angle. It's... Based on where his body is, it looks to my eye like he's short. Like if his body, which is mask, which is you know in front of the ball, is where it is when he goes down, it doesn't seem to me that he could have gotten the first down. But you, you mentioned video, uh, the parallax error that became a huge like uh, internet sleuthing term where some like video AV person who has like expertise in analyzing like whether or not the video you're seeing is representative of the location of an object in the video concluded that the ball may likely have crossed the plane but if it did it was just by it was by such a, a short margin that the call could go either way and the call on the field would have had to stand so because they called it that way I think that's a fair way of characterizing it right mm -hmm. I think that was probably the biggest, what felt like the biggest piece of bad luck. I think Michigan was number three and Ohio State was number two. Is that right? I think we were 10 and one. That was a huge, I mean, that was, that was to go to the Big Ten Championship, which I'm sure was against Wisconsin, who we had beat that year. So yeah, that, that was for me the biggest letdown as a Michigan fan, uh, all because of some parallax error. This is Michigan. If Harbaugh wins that game, he goes to the Big Ten Championship. I don't know if they would have won. That was 2016. I think Ohio State went to the college playoff. They got they got beat by Clemson, right? Yeah, 31 nothing. Yeah, so I don't think Michigan wins a national championship that year, but just having maybe a college football playoff appearance. As a Michigan State fan, you know how, how good that can be for, you know, no matter what happens. Yeah, you can always hang your head on that. And instead, I guess you look at what the aftermath was. You guys lost in the Orange Bowl to Florida State. 
another huge like crazy ending too like we had the lead at the very end we kicked off and they returned it to like the arc 20 delvin cook had an incredible game yeah jake Butt hurt himself yeah jabril pepper sat out jabril peppers was injured in the practice before thank you very much there's video evidence of him running a sprint and pulling his hamstring i bet if you check the parallax on that video we would be questioning the outcome Okay. Well, that is that concludes my synopsis of the plight of the modern Michigan fan, where the plight basically can be summarized as just so many what ifs that even if they would have, you know, gone in a certain direction, you never know what, what would have happened anyway. 2016 Michigan versus Ohio State. I haven't been the same person since. This is Michigan. Very thorough, in-depth history of Michigan's issues and struggles. Jeff, 890 smack points are coming in your pocket for your very persuasive plate of the modern Michigan man. Excellent. Thank you, Steve. With that, we are heading on to the lightning round in round three. But first, let's hear it here for this word. The following skit is for comedic purposes only and does not reflect a sponsorship of the discussed product. The views and opinions expressed by this podcast are not endorsed by the following company. This is not a paid advertisement. What do you look for in a pizza restaurant? Pizza, wings, jumbo shrimp that tastes great, a place that delivers, and a place that's open late? Well, if you listen to Happy's Pizza's theme song, even if you just have to call them and ask them to not take your order, but to put you on hold so that you can hear their theme song, you'll know that Happy's Pizza, Wings, and Jumbo Shrimp tastes great, Happy's delivers, and Happy's is open late. The founder of Happy's was indicted on some sort of tax fraud. Don't let that dissuade you. Happy's Pizza is delicious. If you can find a Happy's location, run, don't walk the pizza, wings, and jumbo shrimp that tastes great. If you can't get there, Happy's delivers, and they're open late. All right, we're here. We're rounding things out in the lightning round. This is the last round, and so, Jeff, I'm going to give you 45 seconds to answer as many uh, correct instances of this prompt, this question. Every one that you get correct is going to be worth 10 points, and then we'll tack that onto your score for the, the final score that you'll get at the end of the game. Sounds good. Okay, so your prompt, we're giving it a category name, actually. So your prompt is entitled, The Tigers Are Good Again. So this is an infamous tweet that you sent out years ago after the Tigers had sort of rebounded from a difficult start in the 2014 season. They had some some hot moments in that 2014 season, but then they got swept by the Orioles in the playoffs, and uh, it amounted to a pretty disappointing outcome for what was a lot of talent on that roster. Yep. So in the spirit of The Tigers Are Good Again, you have 45 seconds to name for me as many 2014 Detroit Tigers as you can. If I say a wrong answer, does that matter? No, no, you are not punished for any wrong answers. So okay. say as many as you can, as fast as you can, and then we'll just tally them up when we're all done. Okay. And your time begins now. Jose Valverde, uh, Justin Verlander, David Price, Max Scherzer, Rick Porcello, um, Miguel Cabrera, Alex Avila, um, shortstop. Infante, that's the name. Thing. I'm gonna go with Infante. Um, through the pitch, the starting pitchers, bullpen. Delbert already said. Um, I'm gonna go Avisael Garcia. Uh, maybe oh Prince Fielder. No fielder. We just traded him for Kinsler that season. Oh, okay. I was trying to think of the second baseman. You came away with six Tigers on that one. 
six. That's it. You got Avila, Cabrera, Scherzer, Verlander, Porcello, and Price. Okay. But actually, Valverde was the year before. You didn't have Valverde. Okay. Uh, Phil Coke was on the team, oh, but then but you got yet. Victor Martinez, JD Martinez. Ooh, man, I missed some good ones. But all right, that rounds out Smags today. You christened our fan base, the Smagglers or the Smag Pies, whatever they prefer. How'd your experience go? You know, post-game interview, what do you think? I left it all out there on the floor. I know I'm not going to be on the top of the leaderboard, but I go home with no regrets. I'm glad that the theme was sports disappointment <laughs> between the 2014 Tigers and Michigan sports. I'm going to have to rewatch bench warmers. That's one thing I'm taking away. Oh yeah, hey Steve, uh, who's who's that? Who's number one on the leaderboard? Great question. Let's kick it off to the leaderboard and find out the answer to that. In eighth, Jeff, eleven seventy five. First, Matt, eighteen eighty five. Second, Scott, eighteen seventy. Third, Alex, eighteen thirty one. S M A G S. My name is Jeff, and I got snagged. This is Michigan.